Hi, welcome back to Till Death to Us podcast, a podcast about marriage, murder, with the Murrays. I'm Michelle Murray. And I'm Matt Murray. And yeah, how are you? Good. You know, it's Monday. Again, it's always Monday. It comes every week. It does happen every mm-hmm. week. You know, there's a lot of rich, famous people who say like, if you're not ready and gearing to go on a Monday, it's just not meant to be for you. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that who the hell says that i don't know <laughs> those people on the internet that make you feel bad for not having a thousand books in your garage <laughs> actually i'm really tired today but i actually love mondays because i have tuesdays off so right yeah i don't have mondays are like my friday night like sunday night starts my hellish drop into oh shit right i have to work tomorrow yeah and then i wake up in the morning and i'm like right i have to work today and then i just dislike most of the week until the weekend again. <laughs> I feel like that's the majority of people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They just fight through the day. Yeah. But like, hopefully we can help you fight through that day. Right. Mm-hmm. Bring a little levity. Yeah. And then a little murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. What everybody wants. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of joking around and a little bit of stabbing people. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like to balance out your day? I like uh, coffee and strangling people to death <laughs> in the back of a van. I don't know. What about you? <laughs> that would be such an interesting conversation if, like, that's actually what people who enjoy true crime, like, said. <laughs> like, you're on, like, a first date? Yeah. And you're and like, like, so, oh. so what do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. I like I like golf and, you know... I I enjoy, like, a good whiskey. What about you? Well, you know, I really enjoy afternoon TV and, like, I don't know, people who dismember other people and <laughs> eat them. <laughs> like, I really love hearing about stuff like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you want my um, marriage advice this week that isn't my advice? Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's do our till death do us marriage yes. advice. So, Christy actually said a really great... Wait, wait, wait. This is how not to murder each other with the audience of Till Death Do Us podcast. (laughs) So, Christy, um, who has been, like, super active on our Facebook. Thank you, Christy. Like, I love it. Um, She wrote advice that said, always say thank you. It's small, but it feels so good to be appreciated. And that is, like, top-notch advice there. Yeah. Again, for like, sure. Kind of going back to last week, like sometimes more than the big giant things that you do for each other, mm-hmm. it's the tiny little things yeah. that add up every day. Definitely, yeah. but like you don't think, you know, you don't think how important it is just to be like, oh, thanks, you know, thanks for doing that. Right. Because like there are things that you do in a relationship that are essentially expected of you as a part of that relationship. Right. But like just because it's expected. Doesn't mean it shouldn't be acknowledged. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just in general, it's good to thank people when they do something, like, for you. Like, in life, too. Not even just in relationships. Right. Like, just being able to acknowledge that you should thank somebody for their help or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be like that. Yeah. That's definitely, um, definitely good advice all around. Like, that's something I always try and do, like, in my job. You know, you and I both being in management, like, I always try and say thank you to my employees and stuff. Yeah, that's super important too. Yeah, you know, thank you for your or help. My ki- like thank you for your help the today. Kids, yeah, right. or Gavin. I always make sure Gavin knows. Be thankful. Yeah. In general. All around. All around. Yeah. <laughs> but in marriage, be thankful. Yes. 
And then uh, Deirdre actually came up with another advice this week. <laughs> Thank you, Deirdre. Um, her advice was shut up if you can't say anything nice. <laughs> be kind and don't talk to people any way you wouldn't like to be talked to, which is so true. Yeah. I feel like that was um, like a general statement about anyone, but like it's the same in your marriage. Yeah. Like don't say shit that, you know, don't talk to your partner the way you wouldn't want them to talk to you. you yeah, know? I agree. Mm-hmm. And if you do happen to slip into that every once in a while... Make sure that you can acknowledge it and apologize for it. You just made some serious eye contact during that statement. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> oh, I just wanted to make sure I got the message across. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's true, though. I mean, like, we have definitely have spoken to each other in a way that, like, we shouldn't have before, which every couple, I'm sure, has those moments. But, yeah. Yeah, we come back around. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You apologize and it's fine. I just, I I do want to mention on that note really quick that like most of the time, the people who don't acknowledge that like things get rough every once in a while, right? Like the people who can't acknowledge that like. Those are the the murderers. Well, not only are they the murderers, (laughs) but usually they're like the worst at relationships. Oh yeah, for sure. Like not everything's going to be honky dory all the time. So it's important to, you know, off of that tip. Yeah. It is important. Everyone fights. Yeah. To, to acknowledge that that's going to happen. Yeah. And be able to understand as an adult that those things can resolve themselves. Yeah. But shut up and learn how to not say mean stuff. Yeah. What Deirdre <laughs> said. Yes. <laughs> and then um, we actually got a question this week. We did. Yeah. Steven would like to know how important is privacy for your relationship? Now that's Steve from the Dual Screens podcast. Yes. Which... Uh, I help out a lot with. He's a he's a good dude if you like video game stuff, though I've mentioned this before. I'm not sure what the crossover is here. <laughs> but go check out their podcast. Uh, they do a bunch of great stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I... I'm interested it, to hear what you think. I was interested to hear what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it depends on how we want to interpret the question. Right. So, like, is it how important privacy is in general in a relationship? Or is it how important privacy is personally to us? Because, like, I talk a lot, and <laughs> I have difficulty keeping things to myself. True. <laughs> I, I already got my Father's Day gifts. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't keep, I can't, I can't keep secrets. I can't not say what's in my brain. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, you know, being private is, like, it's tough to be private in a relationship, right? Because you're sharing everything with each other. And there are certain things, just like general feelings maybe you have throughout the day. And, you know, maybe I get home and I don't really want to talk about it, right? It's not like, oh, I don't want to share these feelings with Michelle. It's just like, I've had such a shitty day. I just kind of want to chill out, right? Like those things can be private, like you having a bad day. But I feel like for the most part, we share a lot of stuff. Like, there's been a couple times where, like, my sister or, like, your mom will tell me something, me, or my mom will, like, tell me something or And be whatever. like, don't tell Michelle. Don't tell Michelle. And I'll be like, <laughs> what do you mean, don't tell Michelle? Like, the only time that will ever fly is, like, if it's, like, a surprise party or, like, something of that nature. It better never be a surprise party. Yeah. What are you, Ron? <laughs> you Ron Swanson? <laughs> um, so that, that was an interesting interpretation. So I did not take the question that way as far as privacy between each other right i took it as like public um, privacy yeah like if i'm going into work and being like 
um, Matt and I got in a fight last night, and this is what happened. And um, I took it as, like, that kind of privacy. Hmm. And I'm not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you're okay with that. Yeah, no, I mean. I I talk a lot. I talk a lot. Well, I mean, you got a vent, right? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't particularly do that mostly because I don't think, I don't know, like it, it doesn't do anything for me. Right. Right. Like if I'm going to vent, it's probably going to be to myself, mm-hmm. uh, or to like a really close friend of mine. Right. You know, uh, I love my coworkers to death. They're great people, but I definitely live in a world where for the most part, aside from like a few like outside cases like a few side cases Mm -hmm. my real friends and the people that i work with are very separate groups of people right you know what i mean and so the down and dirty stuff like my life like parts of my life and like my everyday life i don't really share a lot of that with my people that i work with you know like my personality and stuff like that i totally do but for the most part like they don't know much about my personal life except for that I have you and, and the kids. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, as far as, like, what I do, talent, all that kind of stuff, or what's going on day to day and why it's bothering me. I don't know. It really doesn't It doesn't come up. But yeah. I think to friends, totally. There is um, literally nothing more therapeutic than having a bitch fest at 4.30 in the morning with your coworkers and just, like, letting it all out while you're making coffee and then just boom start your day yeah. like it's great <laughs> I, I what else would you do at 4 30 in the morning it's i'd be true. fucking bitching at everything too yeah <laughs> i'd be like it's 4 30 in the goddamn morning i hate every minute of this why am i awake right now fuck everything what uh, happened last night i don't know it sucked did it suck for you it sucked for me it sucks to be here right now i hate everything <laughs> we talk about good things too sure but anyways, I hope we answered that question. And that was really cool that you posed a question. And, and I want more of that, people. That yeah. was fun. I mean, we don't we don't really get that a lot either, right? We're asking awesome. for requests for uh, marriage tips. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that was interesting, you mm-hmm. know, answering a question together. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Cool. You ready to take it down a notch? Um, let's bring it down this pretty. Notch. This is a pretty mild one this week. Is there murder? Yes. That's what we do here. It's true. <laughs> so I got a lot of my sources on um, Murderpedia, Wikipedia. There was an LA Times article titled Till Death Do Us Part by Amy Wallace that I got a lot of information from. Um, Morbid, episode 47, My Favorite Murder, episode 103. And there is actually a Lifetime movie. Oh, how surprising. Yes. Called A Woman Scorned, (laughs) the true shocking story of Betty Broderick, wife, mother, murderer. That is the longest (laughs) fucking movie title I've ever heard in my goddamn life. I think the whole, like, I think the title in general was supposed to be just A Woman Scorned, but then it said, like, the true shocking story of Betty Broderick. There's that fucking Coheed and Cambria album. It's like Coheed and Cambria 4. Good Apollo. No, it's Coheed and Cambria. Good Apollo. I am Burning Star 4. From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. Like, it's like the longest fucking title. <laughs> they do that, though. So, this um, Lifetime movie, of course, starred the one and only Meredith Baxter. 
who was literally like the poster child for Lifetime made for TV movies in like the 90s. No idea who that is. I feel like you would if you saw her. So she was actually the mom on Family Ties. The mom on Family Ties. I yeah. still have no idea who that is. Do you remember the show Family Ties? I don't know if I with Michael J. It. Fox. I, I do. Anyways, and then the um, other. It also starred Stephen Collins, who was the creepy dad from Seventh Heaven, and then Stephen Root, who you know. I do know. Oh yeah, I know Meredith Baxter. Yeah, everyone. Who watched made-for-TV movies in the 90s knows Meredith Baxter. Yeah, right. She's actually nominated for an Emmy for this role. So, and then um, there is a brand new series that actually just started, like, two weeks ago um, on Bravo called Dirty John. And it's the second season. And it's the life of Betty Broderick. Hmm. And starring Amanda Peet and Christian Slater. Oh, wow. Yeah. I couldn't watch it because we don't have cable. (laughs) (laughs) so who does i tried to watch it but yeah i tried to find it i wasn't gonna pay like four dollars on amazon for one episode good call yeah not i'm not allowed to buy things on amazon right now it's true does that include movies uh i don't know i'm giving myself a timeout on amazon guys we we both are the whole household we're trying to do a month a month of no amazon shopping so anyways (laughs) Elizabeth Ann Baseglia was born November 7th, 1947 in Eastchester, New York. She was the third of six children to two very strict, devout Roman Catholic parents. When Betty speaks of her past, she says that she was trained to be a housewife since the day she was born. In 1965, she graduated from Maria Regina High School in Hartsdale, New York. That same year, she took a trip with a friend to go watch a football game at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. There she met Daniel Broderick the third. <laughs> Dan was born November 22nd, 1944 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I don't think, I, wait, hold on. I don't think if he has a, the third at the end of his name, you can call him Dan. It's like a rule. You um, gotta call him Daniel. No. There's no Dan of the thirds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he went by Dan. Sure. And that's how my notes are written. So yep. that's what it is. All right, fine. <laughs> His family life was very similar to Betty's. He was the eldest son of nine children to an Irish Catholic family. Betty went on to attend the small... Nine kids? Yeah. Ugh. What's up with all these families having so many goddamn kids? It was the 40s. Ugh. What else did you do? I don't know. Not have birth control. It was the 40s. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. So, Betty went on to attend the small Catholic Women's College of Mount St. Vincent in the Bronx, where she earned a degree in early childhood education with a minor in English through an accelerated program. Dan graduated pre-med from Notre Dame and went on to attend Cornell Medical College. Betty and Dan were married on April 12, 1969, and upon their return from their honeymoon in the Caribbean, they learned that she was pregnant. Their first daughter, Kim, was born in 1970. While Dan attends school, Betty is left to be the main provider for the family. They were so poor that they had to live in the dorm rooms together. Oh, wow. I know. Holy Could crap. Could you imagine living in a dorm together no. with a baby? No. <gasps> wow. That sounds horrible. That does sound horrible. Yeah. I wonder what dorms were like in like the 40s and 50s. I don't know. Like, I, don't how... know. I don't know what dorms are like now. <laughs> I mean, I do. But like having a baby, like if I visualize what a dorm is right now. Having like a child and raising a family in a dorm seems not possible to me. Isn't a isn't a dorm just a room? Yeah, I mean now that's what it's defined as. I don't know what it was then. 
right? If it was like maybe little studios. Yeah, I have yeah, no idea. I don't know. A second daughter, Lee, came in 1971. Wait, so we were talking about dorms in the 40s and 50s. They're in the 70s. I didn't even realize that. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were born in the 40s. Yeah, we're dumb. That's true. I'm dumb. So a second daughter, Lee, came in 1971, although I still don't know what dorms were like in the 70s either. Yeah, I don't either. Okay. <laughs> During his residency, he decided to change careers and transferred to Harvard Law School with the intent of becoming a medical malpractice lawyer. Wow. Yeah, they actually moved in Somerville. Oh, wow. Yeah. After graduation, Dan was quickly hired by a law firm in San Diego, California, and they moved their family to the sub- suburb of, it's spelled La Jolla, but I'm pretty sure it's La Jolla. La, la, ya, la What is it? La Yola? No. Is it? I don't know. How is it spelled? Jala. I said that. Like with a J? Yeah. Yahala. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where they moved. Yayola? <laughs> Curse of La Lorna. <laughs> You're just thinking that because the kids are watching that right now. I am. Dan is now starting to bring in the bacon, and Betty gets to be the housewife that she has always wanted to be. Life was great. It wasn't. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. (laughs) As Dan's hours at work get longer and longer, Betty begins to grow more frustrated. In comes Marriage Encounter. Do you remember Marriage Encounter? Yeah. This was like a thing. Like the weird castle place? Yes. So, um... What was that one from? For anyone that hasn't listened to episode two, The Wily Axe Murders. That's what it was. Yeah. It was The Wily Axe Murders. Um, first of all, you should probably go check out episode two. They should just call it Marriage Castle Quest. (laughs) So if you haven't checked out that episode yet, Marriage Encounter is essentially a religiously fueled weekend away with your spouse where you immerse yourself in your relationship. At a castle. Well, I don't know if they had this castle here in California. I'm sure it was a different, because the, so the Wiley Axe murder, they went to like the Dumphy Hotel and that was, that was, I don't know if this one is a (laughs) castle, but that one, isn't that in Texas? Isn't it Wiley, Texas? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So this is in California. Trying to say they can't have castles in California? I'm just saying, I don't think it was a specific location. You think they have castles in in Texas? (laughs) That one just happened to be at a castle. I just want it always to be a castle. I know. <laughs> but so essentially um, what you do is you go as a couple and you're encountered by other couples who have already gone through being encountered. And <laughs> you just like, um, I don't know, you like go to dinner and then at this dinner it would kind of essentially be like a... Where you swap partners. It is not. (laughs) You're thinking of a different castle. (laughs) That's a different marriage encounter. (laughs) Um, So they pose like questions and you go back to your room with your partner and you like write a response to the question and then you and your partner sit and talk about it and then you go back to like the group and they ask you another question and it's to get like in depth in your marriage. Betty speaks about how lonely she feels in the marriage and Dan admits that he realizes he hasn't been a good husband or father and that um, it's really hard because he has all these, like, financial aspirations and it's keeping him from being a good father and a good husband. Sure. In 1976, they have a son named Daniel. In 1979, they have a son named Rhett. By the fall of 1981, Dan became so successful that he chose to go out and start his own firm. He lets Betty decorate the office. 
How nice of him. You know, 70s style. Yeah. Or 81 style. (laughs) (laughs) That year, Dan becomes a bit of a local celebrity because he actually represents a victim of the Cleveland Elementary School shooting. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that? No. Holy shit. One morning, 16-year-old Brenda Spencer began shooting out her front window into the schoolyard across the street. When she was asked why she did it, she said it was because she hates Mondays. Hmm. <laughs> I understand. It's not funny. Children died. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Um, Mondays are terrible, though. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. Just kidding. I love them. I already said that. Yeah, I know. So essentially, like, this, like, puts his name out there and his firm that, you know, it becomes huge and he starts, like, raking in the dough and, you know, suddenly they're, like, millionaires. Betty actually goes on to give birth to a fifth child, a third son. Damn, but, these people are having mad kids, too. Well, sadly, that child passed away at two days old. They actually Ooh. never had given him a name. Betty began to go through a deep depression. She became a shopaholic, and she was struggling with aging and gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Fights between them got more frequent and more intense. When Dan would come home from work late, Betty would lock him out of the house, and he would have to throw rocks at the kids' windows to get them to open the door for him. Obviously, this caused issues between Betty and her kids now, because they're, like, she's pinning them against each other, and they have to choose sides. Like, do I let my dad stay locked out, or do I let my dad in? Like, what do I do? Right. Sometimes when he was late, she would immediately sit all of the kids down and tell them that they were getting a divorce and that they needed to decide which parent to live with. Jesus Christ. Like, her saying, you know, hey, me and your dad are getting a divorce was, like, so common knowledge to the kids that it happened all the time that they just stopped believing it. Right. She had no issues at all about trashing him right in front of the kids. That's really shitty. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. So these poor kids were just like in the middle of everything. Yeah. And their relationship was horrible. But, you know, they were both very religious, so divorce wasn't really it's an not, option right, to it's him. Not, not on the table. Yeah. In the fall of 1983, Dan hires 21-year-old former Delta Airlines stewardess Linda Kalkenna to be his legal assistant. She had no education, didn't know how to type, like, but mm. but she's a legal assistant, which is just interesting. Yeah, I wonder yeah. what skills she had. She had a great personality. Sure. Betty overheard Dan describing Linda as beautiful at a Christmas party, and of course she instantly assumed that they were having an affair. Now, what have we learned Yeah, from all of our episodes? Yeah, it doesn't go well. It doesn't <laughs> go so hot. If it's not for insurance, the only reason a murder happens is an affair. So she... It's actually true. It is true. Yeah. So Betty harps on it, like, all the time, and he's constantly like, no, you're crazy, like, I'm not having an affair, you're just crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, the things men say all the time. Wow. Sure. <laughs> no, you've never called me crazy. You're the best. Yeah. Because I actually am pretty crazy sometimes. Sometimes. Anyways. <laughs> Everybody's crazy sometimes. One November, she wanted to have a special birthday lunch because both of their birthdays were in November. So she heads to his office to surprise him, and when she gets there, she finds what remains of champagne, chocolate cake, and balloons, and she learns that he's already been out with Linda for most of the day. Betty drove home in a rage, and when she gets home, she burns all of his custom-made clothes out on the front lawn. Wow. Mm -hmm. She went zero to insane really quick. Yep. I mean, under, I guess, not understandably, but, like, she's right. Right? So this this case was, like, very, very interesting to research because 
uh, talking about privacy boundaries, um, you know, I was in an emotionally abusive relationship off and on for 13 years. And, like, I resonate with some of the shit she does because, like, I get it. Like, I've had those crazy moments where, like, you just lose your fucking mind because you're, you, I don't know. It just makes you crazy in a way that, like, you can't understand unless you've been there. But you've never murdered anyone, so that's That is true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Good good job. (laughs) So after this, she goes home and she, you know, quote unquote, attempts suicide. But really, it was like paper thin cuts on her wrists and she just wanted to, like, make him feel bad. Sure. He gets home and he, you know, bandages her up and puts her to bed. Around Christmas, Betty hints that she wants an emerald ring. So the one he gets her is too small as non, and not as expensive as the one she really wanted. So she basically just, like, ended Christmas. Yeah. So, like, I'm, those kids seem like they're having a real good life. Yeah, a real great time. Dan finally, after that, had enough. So he packs up his shit, and he's like, all right, peace out. <laughs> after two weeks, she uses the kids to guilt him into moving back. February of 1985, he moves out for good this time. He goes and buys his own house. One night, the oldest daughter, 15-year-old Kim, came home late, and Betty forces her in the car and drives her over to Dan's house and just leaves her there on the porch. Ugh. So she was just like, I'm done with you. Like, go live with your father. Right. So Dan wasn't even home, so Kim couldn't even get inside the house. She had to wait until he got home at, like, 11 o'clock. Because, I mean, like, there was no cell phones. Like, he had no idea she was there. Right. So eventually, Betty pretty much does this to, like, all the kids. Like, she'll get in a fight with the kid, and then she'll just go drop like, them all right, off. You, I'm done with you now. Yeah. Yeah, she'll just go drop them off and, and, you know, tell them to live with him. So, like, those are these are the times where, like, I don't understand where she's coming from. Yeah, she's being insane. Yeah. Divorce was finalized in 1989, and it actually became, like, a pretty famous case. It stood out in the country because although Dan was currently the breadwinner, Betty supported his financial... Like, Betty supported him financially all throughout his education. So, you know, there was a fight there being, like, she should be entitled to more. And because she supported his getting to where he's at now. Exactly. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. So it was very notable in, you know, all throughout the country. Like, Oprah Winfrey actually called and, and tried to get her on um, one of her shows called Ugly Divorces. But, I mean, everyone knew the Broderick versus Broderick case. In the meantime, Betty didn't stop harassing Dan. During the hearings, they play hours and hours of nasty, aggressive messages that Betty would leave on Dan's voicemail. One of the messages is her yelling that she's going to convince their sons to beat him up. Hmm. So, like, during this trial where she's trying to be, you know, she's trying to get appropriate alimony. Right. She's she's like, yeah, beat the shit out of him. Yeah. She stole keys from the kids and she would break into the house and just, like... Just fuck shit up. One day, she casually just walked into the house and saw that there was a Boston cream pie on the table, and when she found out that Linda had made it for Dan, she brought the pie upstairs into the bedroom and just started smearing it, like, everywhere. Wow, she's, like, uh, she's, like, a very particular crazy. Uh Uh-huh. She would spray paint the walls and fireplace, like, black, and she would go and smash windows and mirrors and, yeah. And, like, any time... How did he not get, like, a restraining order or something? He did. But, like, the cops didn't do anything about it or, like, laughed it off? Well, she would always do these things when he wasn't home. 
Yeah, but like, but like, but you could, you couldn't go after her for that. How do you prove that it was her? I don't know. He's a fucking lawyer in the '80s. He didn't have some kind of like high tech ass fucking security system or something. Apparently not. Yeah, I guess not. She even once drove the car through his front door. Holy shit. Yeah. How do you not know that's her? But again, on the other side, like on the flip side of this, is I guess he, being a lawyer, he knew a lot of like loopholes in the system. So he was able to get a judge to sign over her share of the home she was currently living in. And he went you know, behind her back and sold the house from underneath her. Yeah, but, like... So, like, if someone sold my fucking house that I was living well, in... yeah, I'd be pissed, too, but, like, was that... Because, re- like, it seemed like he was being kind of a dick and cheating on her. They decided to get divorced. It was probably pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. But, like, it seemed like she was being extra crazy now, and... He, well, so that's he, the... And then, so he fed into it. Well, so that's the line here, is it's, like, there, there's... So many back and forth and so many mixed feelings about it because half the people are like, no, she's crazy. And then the other half of the people are like, no, she was pushed to this crazy. Right. Like, it's it's her fault, but it's not her fault because, like, you know, he made her this way. And, like, I get, like, I... Yeah, but how old is she? Right. That's you know I mean? true. That's true, too. Because I'm speaking... From experience. Between, like, what? Like as, like, 15 a 20-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> right? She's, like, what? Like, a 30 to 40-year-old woman at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not between 15 and 20. You and I didn't start dating until I was 27. True. That's true. Yep. So, anyways. He would begin docking her alimony anytime, like, anytime there was behavior that he deemed inappropriate. So, she... Was to be given $12,500 a month. <laughs> Don't you wish that was, like, yeah, you made that? Uh, amazing. <laughs> I wonder what that is adjusted for inflation. I know. But so he would dock $100 for every obscene word that she left on the voicemail, $250 every time she set foot on his property, $500 every time she entered his home, and $1,000 every time she took the kids without his permission. Between that 12500 there was one month where she screwed up so much that she was negative 1300 <laughs> See, so that's what I mean. Yeah, that's, like, a lot of crazy. Yeah. Like, sure, maybe, like, she was pushed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, like, think about the math you would have to do to get to $12,000. Negative $1,000. Yeah. In a month where he's, like, taking all this stuff away from you with the math that you just laid out. Right. Like, that is... Come on. Like, get your shit together. Yeah. Stop. Stop it. So, finally, uh, Dan admits that he was having an affair the whole time since Linda started working with him. Which, like, why do you even have to say it? Yeah, Every, We all knew. Yeah. All right, Dan? We all knew. So, on April 22nd, 1989, Dan and Linda get married. He's 44 and she's 28. Woo! The day they got married, a family friend stayed with Betty to make sure that she didn't go wreck the wedding. And Linda actually wanted Dan to wear um, to wear a uh, bulletproof vest. <laughs> yeah. He hired, like, undercover security and everything. Seven months later, on November 5th, 1989, at 5 a.m., Betty drove to their house. Using one of the kids' keys, she secretly entered and went to Dan and Linda's bedroom. While they slept, she stood over their bed and, without hesitation... She shot them with a thirty-eight caliber revolver. 
Linda was hit in the neck and the bullet lodged into her brain. Another shot hit her in the chest. Dan was hit in the back, fracturing a rib, tearing through his right lung. She shot two other shots that missed the couple. The shot did not kill Dan instantly, and he reached for the phone on his bedside table that wasn't there because Betty had gone into the house earlier and removed the phone, Wow! solidifying the case that this murder was premeditated. Right. Betty immediately calls her daughters and confesses, and they encourage her to turn herself into the police. So she does. She testifies that she didn't intend to kill them. She went there with the gun so she so he would listen to her. Mm, she was sure. like, I just want him to listen to me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like the when case, I want my boss to really just li- like, hey, you need to listen to me. I always make sure to bring my gun to work. Yeah. She said if it came to it that her plan was actually just to kill herself in front of them to show them how much that, you know, they've been hurting her. Mm, more sane. Yep. She claims he left her emotionally and financially ruined. There was two holdouts on the jury claiming there wasn't enough evidence to prove her intent. Yeah. I skipped a spot. Uh-oh. Go back. Rewind. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So the first trial was October 22nd, 1990. She pleads not guilty to two counts of murder. This case was covered literally everywhere. One of the jurors is quoted as saying, I only wonder what took her so long. The second trial, she says, um, when she entered the house, she went into an altered state of consciousness and doesn't remember pulling the trigger. They used the battered woman syndrome as a defense. So it's said that she was driven to the murder due to years of psychological and emotional abuse and intimidation. She ends up being found guilty on two counts of second-degree murder and two counts of using a firearm in the commission of a felony. She was sentenced to two consecutive terms of 15 years to life in prison, plus two years for illegal use of a firearm. Betty is serving her sentence at the California Institute for Women in Corona. She was denied parole in 2010 and 2017. Mm. Two of her children spoke to her paro- spoke on her parole hearings on her behalf to help her get released, and then two other children spoke to keep her locked up. Weird. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And that is the story of Betty Broderick. Wow. Yeah. She mm-hmm. went real nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That, it is. It's a tough line. You know? Uh, totally douchebag move to do that. To yeah. cheat on your wife. If and... you look at, like, if you Google um, wedding pictures... Linda literally looks like on their wedding day. Linda looks like Betty on her wedding day to that's weird. Dan, like he just you know he traded her in. He, yeah, he had the type. Yeah, yeah. It's super shitty that he did that, but like, come on, taking it a little far. Well, and yeah. So then, nobody deserves to be then, murdered. And then it turns into like a retaliatory battle where it's just a bunch of one-upsmanship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And finally, she just went so over the top that she fucking murdered them. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, that was a crime of passion for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she's still serving time. Yeah, she's still in there. Yeah, good. She's 72 now. Wow. That puts it kind of in perspective. Yeah. Imagine being 72 and in jail. I mean, that's all she knows now. She's probably, I think she has spent more time in jail than she had spent out of Outside, jail. Outside, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Close to it. Right, because she must have been in her forties sometime in the eighties. Oh yeah. So at, at close to half of her life. Right now, that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. Good one. Thanks. Yeah, that definitely was more mild. Yeah. By our. But standards. it's funny. It's funny because um, you know, our listener Christy mentioned it 
on our Facebook page, and I was like, oh, my God, like, that's so crazy, because I had already started researching the case. Right. And it was just really funny, but it is a case that, like, resonated with a lot of people, because they really didn't know what side, you know, looking, you know, even looking at, like, her first trial, like, those two jurors, they were like, they totally sided with her, and were like, no, like, she was made to do this, and, like... You know, there was a lot of family and friends that said, like, you know, Dan egged her on and, like, you know, he would push her to to act crazy. And, right. like, you know, it's tough. Yeah, that is a, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, regardless of the circumstances of whether she was driven crazy or not, mm-hmm. it should not have, you know, right. it, the, the ultimate uh, end to that uh, was not justified. Right. I mean, you took two people's lives because you couldn't handle whatever, you know, whatever had happened there. Right. Obviously, it wasn't just, you know, them being kind of unhappy with each other or him liking work more or not. You know, when people get divorced, I feel like it's usually for a ton of reasons. Right. You know, like, just doesn't, it didn't work out. Right. So, but, uh, right, because uh, there, are, there are couples that are strong enough that, like, if infidelity happens... They can make it work if there are other aspects in their relationship that are strong. Right. But they you, they had nothing. I would say usually that's that's a tough one. But I would say normally that's probably not the only problem. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to take it up now? Yeah. Do you have Bring a toast this week? You don't have a I toast? I do. Hold on. Do you? I, I thought of one earlier. And I was like, oh, that's good. And then I forgot. Oh, you go first. Are you going to remember? I think so. Are you? Go! All right. So while Michelle was doing the notes to this, I was watching a program on the WWE Network called The Last Ride. And it's a five-part documentary series on The Undertaker. I'm a big professional wrestling fan. And he's like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And it's like this behind-the-scenes look at his last couple of years. And I've never seen this person. Like, I've watched wrestling for, like, 30 years almost. And I've never seen this guy. I've only seen him in character. And, like, I want my cheers this week to go out to him for, like, being able to put that persona on and not take it off for, like, millions and millions of people around the world. Because... I'm obviously not the only person whose favorite wrestler is The Undertaker. But, like, he's provided me with so much entertainment over the years. And just finally see like, I've never seen until now or the past, like, year any interviews with him or anything where he takes the mask of his character off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just his persona doesn't come off ever. And finally, you're kind of getting a peek behind that curtain. And it's really interesting. And, you know, there are some things that maybe I don't agree with about his personal personality, but... Just like, it's super interesting and he is so dedicated to his craft and it's clear just the vibe that he brings to kind of everywhere he's at. Yeah. And uh, my cheers is to The Undertaker. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. So my cheers, I remember it now. Okay. (laughs) Is um, for a very, very small very small look into what normal used to be. So uh, my friends and I went to dinner on Friday Mm. and 
you know, I literally had not seen them since before quarantine. And none of us are really, like, the kind of people that talk on the phone. So other than, like, a couple, like, hey, how are you texts, we really hadn't talked. And um, being able to sit down and have dinner with them was, like, the best fucking thing ever. And, um, you know, it was still so awkward because... You know, we got together and we were like, uh, do we hug? Like, we normally always hug. Like, how do you feel about this? Well, I don't know. How do you feel about it? And, right. Um, that is super awkward. Yeah. And to think, like, you know, are people going to look and judge us if we hug? Like, it's just, it is. It's really crazy. Um, but, you know, there was a good, like, hour there where, you know, everything felt normal for a little bit. And yeah. um, I'm very grateful for that. It was it was needed for all, all of us. And, um Yeah. I really miss normal. <laughs> Are you crying? No. A little bit? No. You teared up a little bit. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hopefully we get back to it sooner than later. You yeah. Know, I think everybody is really feeling, uh, there's just so much happening right now. You know, we mentioned a lot last podcast and. Oh, and also it was really cool where we, I don't even know if I had told you this, but where we went to um, lunch outside was uh, in the middle of Arlington Center, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And um, there was protests all up and down the street for Black Lives Matter. Wow. And that was really cool to see all the people coming out in support. Um, like, we sat down to, for dinner at, like, 5, and the protest started at 6. So, like, watching everyone come, come in, in and, and yeah, that was that was really cool, too. That, that, was, pretty, that was very touching. That is pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... You know, we're going to have to start living life normally at some point, and mm-hmm. hopefully it's sooner than later. Right. Just got to make sure it's safe. Yeah. But good. Good that you got to see your friends and that they're doing well and all that stuff. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> well, this is another good episode. As always, you can find us uh, on all the major streaming Wait, networks. Wait, I have a review. We got a review. Okay. What? You didn't even ask me. <laughs> So, we got a review from A. Coots, uh, 1105. Oh. I think that's how you pronounce it. If it's not, I'm very sorry. But they said, I really like the style of this podcast. They add an appropriate amount of humor to the subject. I love couple podcasts. I think they suit each other well and have great vibes. Which we get told a lot. Yeah, That we true. have good vibes. It is true. <laughs> Thank you for the review. Thank it, you. It doesn't ever get old seeing reviews from people we don't know it won't ever get old yeah it's still crazy Mm -hmm. um blows my mind i'll try to remember to ask next time if we have any reviews yeah yeah know your part yeah well tell me ahead of time you jerk (laughs) anyway um so yeah i mean like always we're on all the major streaming networks spotify iHeartRadio, google play music i don't really know when that's going away i know i mention that every week it hurts my heart a little bit. Um, Apple Podcasts, like a coots. <laughs> uh, you know, if you leave us a five-star review, uh, we'd love to read it on air. And it also helps us get in front of, you know, many, many more people. Uh, again, we're so thankful for the support you guys have given us so far. We've reached a point that I don't think in 16 episodes now we ever thought we would reach. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a couple of years from now even. But, like... It's so crazy. It, it's awesome. It, it blows our mind, and thank you so much for listening, and I'm really glad you guys enjoy it. Um, we did launch a Patreon. 
Um, is it patreon.com slash till death do us podcast? That is a fantastic question. So it's in the Facebook group uh, <laughs> and we'll figure it's, out what the link is. It's in the Facebook group along with our um, merch. Yep. We also have a link for merch because that is very long. The, yeah, right. The till dash death dash do us. Literally yes, dash, a dash between every word. Mrs. I don't dash. know why they do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in our Facebook group, you know, there's the links links to Patreon, link to Facebook. Um, if I'll actually, you ever want access to them, you can totally just message me on Facebook or yeah, send us I'll, an I'll email. I'll pin those actually to the top of the Facebook group so that they're always just on the top. Um, I have the Patreon at the top. Good job. You didn't think I was savvy enough to do that, did you? I didn't actually. Boom! Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. We're not sure. We were never really sure when would be a good time to launch a Patreon. And um, if you want to try to support us, feel free. You know, we have a bunch of different tiers that come with a bunch of different stuff. And if you have suggestions of stuff that could go in those tiers, we're pretty... They're pretty basic. But we are also totally aware that there are, like, a billion really great causes that you could donate your money to right now. Correct. Specifically any of the Black Lives Matter movements. And, um, you know, you can do that, too. Do that first. I bought a lipstick called Fuck Trump. And all all the proceeds went to Black Lives Matter. I was getting there. (laughs) I was going to get there. But she's totally right, you know. Um... We didn't know when would be a good time to launch that. Uh, we did launch it, but, you know, I think there are other things that you can put your money towards right now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but in the future, if you'd like to give us a buck or five bucks a month or $10 one time or I don't really care, you know, we would love all the support, but we love all the support. Anyway. I'm hoping to eventually get good enough equipment that um, we could edit out things like Matt's cough that just happened. Listen, <laughs> I had a tickle in my throat. I think it's cat hair. Um, but yeah, um, you know, come visit us in the Facebook group anyway. Uh, there's been a little bit more activity there, uh, over the past couple of weeks, which is great. You know, we'll always try to respond and we love talking to you guys and seeing what you guys, uh, talk about or what you post and all that fun stuff. So continue to interact with us there. You can always email us at till death do us podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah. You good? Mm, yes. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I'm Matt. I'm Michelle. And I just wanted to remind you guys, hey, don't murder each other. Bye. Bye.